Thank you for listening to You That's Creepy Podcast. In this episode, Melissa will tell Jackie about an unsolved mystery from Japan. Two friends and co-workers out picking ferns were brutally killed, and their attacker has never been identified. Please be aware that this episode will discuss a vicious attack, assault, and murder. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, creepy cats? Welcome back to You That's Creepy Podcast. It's Melissa here. And it's Jackie. And we are back for another episode. I've been watching a lot of freaking YouTube lately. A lot of YouTube. And I was watching a video the other day that was three disturbing unsolved mysteries from Japan. And my mind was just blown by this video. I sent it to Jackie so fast and of course said we need to do some of these cases from this YouTube video because I don't know how I'd never heard of these before. Yeah I definitely was not familiar with them either and they're juicy. And the video was from a YouTube channel called Lazy Masquerade. Love that channel. They do so much unsolved unsolved cases And they'll do cases. The title of the video will literally be like, Case is so crazy it should be turned into a movie. (laughs) (laughs) I love titles like that on YouTube. Right? It sucks me in. So I am going to be telling Jackie about an unsolved, two unsolved murder cases from 1979 in Japan. This is a pretty brutal case, honestly, so... Let's get into it, and I will give a more, I'll give a trigger warning before we get into some intense stuff, but just telling you now, it is a sad one, icky one. That's your last warning to turn back. Right? This is your sign, like, what is it in a video game where you can, like, end your quest? Yeah. (laughs) Choose your quest. The year is 1979, and the location is... Nagao Kakyo, the town, in Kyoto, Japan. It was a beautiful town. There was a lot of dense forests, wildflowers, plant life, just very beautiful. And the case centers around two women who were both co-workers and close friends. 32-year-old Kiko Mizuno and 43-year-old Eiko Akashi. I've also seen some reports referring to Eiko as Ming Shizi. So I'm not sure why some articles refer to as it, refer to her as Ming or Eiko. But I think it's there is some discrepancies in the articles just because a, there have been no English articles written. Everything I could find was definitely people translating from Japanese. But like I said, Keiko was 32, Eiko was 43, but they both worked at the same supermarket and did develop a close friendship despite being 11 years apart. 
I don't really know specifics on their background. I don't really know what kind of people they were because this case was over 40 years ago and privacy laws in Japan are pretty strict as it is. So they don't, it's not like in, you know, the United States where they give a full deep dive into their life when there's cases such as this. It's just been said that the two women were housewives who worked at the supermarket and would take care of the home when they got off and their kids. Pretty typical women for the time. I was going to say, seems normal so far. I know, and just this cute little town. It's very, like, Studio Ghibli-esque with the forest and the woods and everything. Definitely not where you would expect something like this to happen. On May 23rd, 1979... Aiko and Keiko both worked their usual morning shift at the supermarket from 6 a.m. to either 10 or 11 a.m. And following their shift, the two women noticed that it was a beautiful day during bracken picking season. So bracken in Japanese known as warabi. It's a fern used to make the dessert mochi, and it's used in, you can use it for a bunch of different things. So it would sprout during certain seasons, and a lot of locals would go out and pick it. It's kind of cute. They said that it was an activity that family and friends would do after work and things like that on a nice day. So it wasn't unfamiliar for people to be out in the forest picking bracken especially around this time. That does seem wholesome. It's so, it's so Studio Ghibli, like, leading. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Leading up to when this moment happens, it's so sad. It's like, I just want them to pick Bracken and go home. (laughs) (laughs) The two women, along with another housewife who also worked at the supermarket, picked up a lunch to take with them, and they headed over to a forest close by on their bicycles. And the forest was round, around Nagao Kakio Hill, and this was a popular bracken picking spot in this forest. There was a good amount of people entering the forest. It wasn't like Eiko and Keiko and the other woman were the only two there. They entered the forest around 11 or 12, but later in the day, around 5 p.m., Keiko's husband returned from work and found that she was not home. And when he called their child's school, their child was still there. So she had not picked them up either. Oh, no. I know. Bad sign. Keiko's husband then called the supermarket and they also confirmed that she had left when her shift ended earlier and she did not return. But everything seemed normal when she had left. Keiko's husband called Aiko's husband, who confirmed that Aiko had not returned home either. So the two of them were getting worried. They knew that the women had been out picking Bracken, and so they went up to the area where they believed the women had gone, and their bicycles were found parked where they had left them, but there was no other sign of the two friends. The next day, on May 24th, police were called, and there was an investigation. They were scouring the mountains and the hillside, 
but they still didn't find any trace of the women. The area was, like I said, the forest was pretty dense. So they went back the next day on May 25th to continue searching. And around 10.30 a.m. on the 25th, Aiko and Keiko were discovered. And trigger warning because this is just brutal and so horrific. The two were found in a dense area of the forest, so it was pretty understandable that they were just missed. It wasn't that someone came back and placed them or anything like that. They were about, I believe, 50 feet or so apart from one another, and both women had been brutally attacked and murdered. Keiko had more than 50 wounds on her, stab wounds, and they were both beaten. Keiko still had a kitchen knife plunged through her lungs when she was found. Ooh. She had been stabbed through her lungs, her heart, and other major organs. Her jeans, underwear, and her shoes were all found at the scene lying next to her, so police do believe that the women were also sexually assaulted. Aiko had been attacked, but her cause of death was strangulation. This is so horrific, like... And both of them had been brutally punched and kicked. Aiko had been kicked so hard that she suffered internal damages and had broken multiple ribs. And both women had their Achilles tendon sliced to the bone. So that, I know. So that they could clearly, whoever did this, had the intention of just causing extreme damage because why would you take those measures to make sure they can't escape like who found them again their husbands no it was they went to the police yeah okay it was two days okay well basically it, it was like a day and a half after they had disappeared that they were found but yeah i i just couldn't even imagine something like that happening to you like it seriously makes me sick to just think about yeah that's really horrific there was blood identified at the scene and it is 1979 so unfortunately they're not taking dna samples and things like that i think they were just sampling the blood type but the blood type was type o they found some under keiko's fingernails And there was also bodily fluids found in Aiko's body that were type O as well. And a body hair. So investigators and police could tell that the women had, at least Keiko definitely had fought back because of the DNA under her fingernails. And whoever the attacker was had type O blood. So police did their investigation to the best of their ability. They wanted to conclude when the women were killed, and based on the contents of their stomachs, it was concluded that the two had their lunch, and then after, must have went and started to pick Bracken. Their backpacks were found, and all of their belongings were still in the backpacks, which was strange because then... 
a robbery was not the motive, which kind of could have been expected. Maybe someone was hiding out in the forest and wanted to do that, but everything that they had on them when they walked in was still on their person. But one particular thing that was found was that in Aiko's jeans pocket, police found a short note written on the back of a receipt. It was written sideways and like scrawled so they could tell that whoever wrote it was definitely in a hurry and not um, in the right sense because of the way that the grammar was and things like that. But the note basically said something along the lines of, we're being followed. Help. This guy is a bad man. Oh, no. I know, which is so heartbreaking to think because police think that obviously Aiko had written the note in a panic. Was she going to hand it to a passerby that they saw? We don't really know, but it's just sad because it's like, what was the context What about him was bad? Police also thought maybe she wrote it when maybe the attacker had threatened them and was like doing something, unfortunately, to Keiko. And maybe Aiko could just write with one hand really quickly and was going to run for it or something like that. But it is weird because the note was written in pencil But they never actually found the pencil at the scene. Hmm, that is weird. So they thought, did the the killer take it as a trophy? Did Aiko throw it? Did she drop it? It was just weird that they found everything else except the pencil. Another clue that was found at the scene was footprints in the dirt. One article I read said there were two different sets of footprints in the area. So it wasn't necessarily certain if it was two different people or what. But all of the articles say specifically that the the other set of footprints that was specifically around the area was that of a leather shoe. How would they know? That's an interesting question. They said because when... Because a tennis shoe will make a certain impression because of the way that your weight is distributed in a tennis shoe. And that I believe there's less like grating on the sole of a leather shoe. Think about if you stepped in dirt in an office shoe. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And in a tennis shoe. So that was something that they thought was odd though. Because if you were Why out... would you be out in the woods in like nice shoes? Exactly. If you actually had a good reason to be out in the woods, you would be wearing hiking shoes, tennis shoes. They noted that it seemed like a business type shoe. So, very strange. Investigators also, since they had the knife that was left, they did try to track down where the knife came from, the manufacturer. And they were able to, but sadly, the manufacturer was very popular at the time. And I believe the article said there were over 70,000 that were being made. So it was just like basically impossible for them to try and track down this one specific knife out of a popular brand. 
So I think the first question that investigators thought, well, obviously, who did it? But besides the obvious, I think it was if there was one person who caused the attack or if it was two people working together, just because of the the level of damage that both women sustained, police just didn't know. Another idea that has been brought up consistently is did the attacker have training in martial arts because of the way the women were punched and beaten so brutally and the damage internally into their ribs? Police thought that maybe the person was trained in martial arts, maybe they were a professional of some sort, so they did make that known as well, kind of putting that out to locals. Shortly after the murders were made public, some locals did come forward claiming that they had seen two young men from a construction company hurrying down the mountainside on the day of the murders. Hmm. There was construction going on in the area at that time, and locals said that they knew the two in question who they saw were juvenile delinquent types not the best kids and someone even told authorities that one of them frequently practiced karate that seems suspicious red flag waving but police looked into the two delinquents they both had alibis and on top of that i think that both of them had blood type a which was not Mm. found at the scene And they also had no scratches or defensive wounds. And police thought that the killer or killers probably had at least some on their arms or something because of Keiko having DNA under her fingernails. So investigators crossed those two off the list, but they're still trying to determine every single person who was... At the mountain that day, every person who went into the forest, and they confirmed that there were about 15 to 16 people who were in or around the forest at that time. One individual who said that they were there claimed that they saw Keiko and Aiko entering the forest, and a few minutes later, a man in his 30s or 40s entered behind them. But the witness said that they didn't think anything of it because a lot of locals were out picking Bracken and he just assumed that people were going in for just normal reasons. For Bracken. Bracken. <laughs> I know the number of times I, I like said Bracken. I like saying that word though. I know. Bracken the picking. only positive part of the story is saying Bracken. I know. Bracken picking. Just such supposed to be such a cute little activity. But that man that was claimed to have been seen was never accounted for. He was the one person out of the 15 or however so that police never were able to find him or question him and they never came forward. Seems a little coincidental. Definitely suspicious. Investigators then interviewed some housewives in the area who were known to pick ferns and bracken. (laughs) One witness who they interviewed 
she had a pretty horrifying experience in the forest a few weeks prior to the murders. She said that she was picking ferns and she saw a man who was dressed in office attire, not outdoor clothing. It's him. Mm-hmm. The man called over to her asking how her picking was going and she noticed that he had a large kitchen knife in his hand. Thankfully, this woman, her husband and her son were nearby. The man couldn't see them, but she called out to them and the man ran away when she did. That is so creepy. And, okay, here's another thing. I can't tell if this is just something that was mixed up with translations, but in some articles, they claim that there were multiple women who had similar experiences. Some said, one woman said that there was a guy in, I think, overalls and like a large hat, and he actually grabbed her and tried to drag her deeper into the woods, but she also screamed, and I believe her husband or someone came to her rescue and the man ran away but they also said he had a large kitchen knife and he yelled over asking how their fern picking was going that's so scary and oddly enough it seems that there were a couple different encounters because some of the articles pointed out that all of this happened on wednesdays or thursdays and Aiko and keiko were killed on a wednesday Hmm. Why those days? I don't know. Like, does he work a certain job? Yeah, he has to. In an office. Yeah, but it's just weird because why Wednesday and Thursday would you not be in the office? Yeah. Investigators had a sketch created of the man that had been <clears throat> that had been seen. It was kind of a pretty basic sketch, though. There was nothing no outlying information that you would see and think I know exactly who that is. And it was released a couple weeks later because they had to ask around. So there weren't really any hits or anything on the sketch or on this person potentially knowing karate, nothing. Sadly, the case did grow cold and police could not identify that suspicious man. But this is when things get even stranger. Because do you remember how I said for just one sentence that there was apparently a third store worker who had accompanied them that day? Yeah. Okay. So, apparently, and this is where people say they don't know for certain if this is a rumor because this happened so long ago. But apparently... This woman, who I think her name was Kyoko, but again, that hasn't been confirmed. Apparently, she had been with them when they went and got their lunch, but I believe that she had left, well, she obviously had left the mountain before the murders had happened, so she said. But either way, she worked at the same supermarket where Eiko and Keiko had worked. That much is confirmed. Some people believe it was a rumor that she went with them up the mountain and left. But either way, she definitely worked with them. Four years after their murders, 
On May 16, 1984, firefighters received a phone call that there was a home on fire in Nagakakyo. Firefighters and police rushed to the scene to put out the fire, but they sadly found a female victim who was already deceased when they arrived. But after putting out the fire and investigating further, police determined that the victim, 48-year-old Kyoko, had been stabbed to death before the fire had started. She was stabbed 10 times with apparently a large kitchen knife before being wrapped up in a quilt and then set ablaze, presumably to cover up the scene. And just like Aiko and Keiko, she was killed on a Wednesday. So some people believe that the cases are connected. And I believe police investigated that because was Kyoko on? Did she go up with them to the mountains and then police said that to the public after? And did the killer think that? Kyoko had escaped death and that she also needed to be found and killed. Other people wonder if perhaps Kyoko knew who had killed her co-workers and that maybe she never said anything because she was afraid and then later targeted. People also have said that It is reported that Kyoko had quit working at the supermarket shortly after Eiko and Keiko were murdered. So was she just paranoid? Did she know more information than what she told police? It is said, though, that in Kyoko's murder, her family claimed that there were items around the house that were taken. So I believe Police concluded that it was a robbery, but it was pretty up in the air of just that it's it's strange that she was murdered in the same way that her co-workers were, that she apparently had been with the day of their murder. It's just very odd. Yeah, that is weird. Like, is it a coincidence and a tragic robbery or is it somehow related? I know, and I wish I wish I knew, but... Honestly, like, that is the only information there is. Some people believe that the killer had a personal vendetta against the women just because of the brutality. Maybe there was a vendetta against the supermarket or maybe their husbands and they were collateral. I feel like, honestly, it was, like, some random... I hate to say it, but like a homicidal maniac praying in the woods. I think so too, because. And then they finally just happened to find women who sadly were alone. But then it's just so weird of like, why did she write the note? Like, how, if you already had figured out that this person you needed help and they were bad, like, who did you think you were going to give the note to? Like,. I don't know. I know. I wonder if maybe, like, this is so, and whoever did this, it's strange because it's like, there weren't, it didn't seem like there were other murders in the area after. So it's like, you just did this horrific ass thing after threatening other women for months, and then you just lay low and were quiet. 
and you were 40 some years old. Someone had to have known you. Someone had to have seen you covered in blood. Like, but I do agree with you. I, I think that's what happened just based on the other women who had brought this up. I don't think it's two people. I do think it's one because of the way that the note was phrased as man and not men. And that so many other women had said that they saw one person. So it's it's just horrible to think of, too, because it's like, did he have them lay down and threaten them with the knife and say, like, if you run, I'll kill the other? And maybe he was attacking Keiko and then Aiko wrote the note. Like, maybe it's horrible, but if he cut their heels... Maybe she was laying there and she just wrote the note with one hand because she could do it sneakily. That's horrible. I know. It's so horrible to think of. And it's like, this case is old and I'm pretty sure the statute of limitations has passed. But I still feel like someone out there knows something. And for these two women who were just mothers and wives out there trying to pick ferns to make food for their loved ones and they get so brutally killed like they deserve no reason at all they deserve justice they deserve to have their story told and it's just crazy that something like this could happen and it's forgotten about and there were a lot of comments Because there was, like, very limited articles. But on the one article on Reddit, there were people commenting, saying, like, I lived in Japan in this area, and I've never heard of this case. That's crazy. I know the police there keep things close to the chest because they don't want their people in their cities and things like that to look bad. And I do agree with that. But I don't know. I mean, if people don't know, then they they wouldn't know a suspect if they were, like encountered them very true and you know what's that i think the statute of limitations there is only like nine to ten years for murder still oh harsh because it's like we have blood can we dna test it now and at least do a 23 and me on that just to know like literally just to know exactly that's kind of what bums me out about these cases is i feel like if they kept the evidence you could dna test it now and put it through a system and we could find it but i just don't think that they do that at this time with old cases which is kind of annoying i agree but That is the tragic unsolved murder of Keiko and Aiko. And Kyoko's murder was unsolved as well. Even though that happened in 1984, they never had, I don't believe, any suspects or found her killer. So in this sleepy little Ghibli-esque town, people are getting assaulted, robbed. Brutally killed and it's unsolved. Yeah, I think there is someone out there on the loose and... If anyone has heard this case, if you have any information, if this is something you've heard of before, um, let us know. Because I was so shocked to hear this case. Shocked. Yeah, agreed. And also, if you guys want more unsolved murders, if you guys have any that you specifically want us to cover, always let us know in the DMs. Yeah, if you have a family or friend or loved one who is missing and it's unsolved, let us know because... Those are cases I could think about all 
day, baby. All day. Yeah, even if it's just a couple of minutes, we'll do it. We'll yeah. do it for you. We'll do anything for you. A lot. Not anything. <laughs> yeah. But Thanks. we hope if you guys stuck around for this brutal episode that you enjoyed it. We hope that you guys are staying safe out there wherever you are listening from. Yes. And thank you guys for listening to another episode of You That's Creepy Podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at Ew That's Creepy Podcast or send us an email at Ew That's Creepy Podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.